I'm Jocelyn K. Gly, and this is Hurry Slowly, a podcast about pacing yourself, where I explore how you can be more productive, creative, and resilient through the simple act of slowing down. As some of you listening may already know, I have a new online course called Reset that shows you how to work in a way that's intentional, energizing, and inspiring. And it's actually open for registration right now through this Friday, May 17th, for the last time until next October. If you're interested in participating, I'll share a little bit more about how you can do that at the end of this episode. But the reason I bring Reset up is that one of the cool things about creating new products is that once you turn them loose in the world, they take on a life of their own. And unexpected things happen. So... About 400 students have been through the course now, and they've shared a lot of really incredible feedback with me about how they felt going into Reset and how they felt coming out. And one common thread really jumped out at me, and that's how much shame we all carry around with us. Shame specifically in relation to our productivity, or lack thereof, as the case may be. So that's what I'm going to talk about today, productivity shame what it is, why we have it, and how we can start to lay down this toxic burden. If you think of your brain as the battery that powers all of your thoughts, productivity shame is what leaks out when your mindset starts to get a bit cracked. Like battery acid, productivity shame is a toxic substance that slowly corrodes your ability to take any joy in your work. Let me give you a few examples of productivity shame that might sound familiar. When you commit to a schedule or a workload that you intuitively know at the outset is unrealistic and destined to result in overwhelm. And then later on, you beat yourself up when you're unable to meet that schedule. That's productivity shame. Or what about when you decide to reactivate a creative project that you've put on the back burner for a long time, and then you expect lightning bolts of inspiration to show up on day one when you sit down at your desk? And when that doesn't happen, you feel dejected and worthless and berate yourself for not being creative enough. That's productivity shame. Or how about this one, a personal favorite of mine, when you set an incredibly challenging goal for yourself without creating any structure for emotional support or accountability, and then you blame your failure to meet those goals on a lack of personal willpower. That's productivity shame. Or what about not defining what enough looks like in advance, whether it's for knocking stuff off your to-do list or even making money with your business, and then berating yourself later for not having done enough. That, too, is productivity shame. Productivity shame is the act of setting utterly unrealistic goals or schedules for yourself and then beating yourself up when you fail to meet them. And the weird thing is, as I mentioned in the first example, we usually know at least on an intuitive level, that we're setting ourselves up for failure. There's this tiny little nagging voice buried somewhere deep within. It's like, don't do it. You know this is crazy. But we do it anyway. We say yes. We set that absurd schedule. And then then we forget about that voice. 
And we do some kind of crazy self-hypnosis to convince ourselves that somehow this schedule makes sense. You can do this, we tell ourselves, right? And by the time that deadline rolls around and inevitably you don't need it or you fail to cross 27 items off your to-do list in one day, you don't even remember that that intuitive voice ever spoke up. The only voice you hear is the voice of self-criticism, telling you that you're not good enough, you're not efficient enough, and most of all, you're not productive enough. This is the voice of productivity shame, and it is loud. The question is, why? Why are we so obsessed with productivity that we regularly hold ourselves to a standard of efficiency that is utterly unrealistic? Well, not to get too philosophical, but reason number one is late-stage capitalism. As the writer Jenny O'Dell pointed out in a recent interview, We have now all fully internalized founding father Ben Franklin's idea that time is money. And now that there is little, if any, discernible difference between our working self and any other self, let's say our home self, our family self, our friend self, all of our time, not just Monday through Friday from 9 to 5, but all of our time is up for grabs and in some sense could be used to be productive. So if we're not being productive, if you're just walking the dog or staring into space or playing with your kid or doing a puzzle, well, in a sense, you're squandering valuable time and money. So there's this sort of low-level buzz of anxiety at all times that you could and should be being productive. The second factor contributing to productivity shame is a rising obsession with perfectionism. In a recent newsletter, I shared an article on the millennial work ethic by Will Hanna, and this is what he writes. A recent study outlined just how much perfectionism has permeated the expectations of young generations living in various Western countries. Young people perceive that others are more demanding of them that we expect more of ourselves and of others given the standards of success that have been placed before us. What's more, socially oriented perfectionism is observed to be the fastest growing form, as opposed to perfectionism that's self-oriented or other-oriented. Whereas self-oriented perfectionism consists of the standards I place on myself— and other-oriented perfectionism consists of the standard I place on my peers, socially-oriented perfectionism is the standard to which I perceive others hold me. I had never heard the phrase socially-oriented perfectionism before reading this piece, but it explains a lot. Surrounded and saturated with stories of other people's productivity and success, on Instagram and Twitter and in the media, we have begun to internalize this socially oriented perfectionism so much that we are driven to hold ourselves to a perceived standard of productivity that has nothing to do with our own individual capabilities or idiosyncrasies. 
Never mind that, of course, these quote-unquote stories of success that we're absorbing all the time are completely manicured and false in the first place. And thus, no one should or could be held to this standard. Because the guy writing that Medium article imparting all of his wisdom about the perfect startup launch is leaving out all of the parts where he screwed up or didn't know what he was doing or made a really bad decision— The productivity stories that we typically hear are as unrealistic as any Disney movie. Which brings me to my third and final point about why we have so much internalized productivity shame. And that's instant gratification. We are swimming in a sea of culture and apps and media that teach us to expect near instant results. I'll give you one example. When I first moved to New York in 2002, I used to go to the DVD store in my neighborhood a couple of times a week. Sometimes I had an idea of what I wanted to rent, but most of the time I'd just go in and browse. And inevitably, I'd fall into some long debate about French film with one of the video nerds who worked there. And even if I didn't end up liking what I rented, it was still worth it for the lively conversation. Now, here in 2019, I'm targeted. When I go to Netflix or Amazon online, I usually have a very clear idea of what I want. Because God help me if I'm trying to use Amazon to uncover something good to watch, right? Because that would never happen. And if Amazon doesn't have the movie I want to stream and it's only available on DVD, I mean, are you kidding? That's just unacceptable. What am I going to do? Order it and then wait for days to watch it on my non-existent DVD player? Who do they think I am? Right? This is how we think now. We find the idea of waiting to be almost unbelievable. Streaming music, watching movies, ordering a cab, getting food delivery, it's all so seamless. And when the apps and tools you use every day teach you to value efficiency and convenience above all else, those same expectations start to worm their way into your work ethic. We start to expect our minds and our bodies to perform on demand. And then when we can't activate our creative minds and produce on demand, we berate ourselves. We have been slowly lulled into a mindset that sets us up for shame rather than success. But we don't have to adopt that mindset, which is why I wanted to share this concept in the first place. Just being conscious of this idea of productivity shame can help you start to release that way of thinking. Because remember that other voice I was talking about? The one that intuitively knows what you can realistically get done? The one that intuitively knows how to pace yourself? The one that intuitively knows how to tap into your creative brain? Well, that voice is still there inside you. It's just getting overpowered and drowned out. I like to think about the two voices like Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk. Bruce Banner is the intuitive voice, the one with expectations that match your human-sized body. The little scientist who knows exactly how to calibrate your workflow in the way that's optimal for you, with all your predilections and all your idiosyncrasies. The Hulk is the voice of productivity shame, 
It's the one with the huge, menacing, unrealistic expectations that have nothing to do with your limited human capacity. It's green with envy about what everyone else around you is achieving, and it will stop at nothing to make sure that you measure up. But guess what? You never will. Because everything about this persona is toxic. It's just a constant stream of unrealistic expectations. Fun side note, there actually is a whole Incredible Hulk storyline in which there is a huge guilt Hulk that Banner has to confront. But I digress. My point is, as cool as it is to flex your productivity muscles so hard your shirt tears off, it's not really sustainable. You, like me, are probably old enough to know by now that your work is going to move at a certain pace. I've talked about how creativity resists efficiency before on this podcast, and it really is true. Creative labor has its own pace, and all you can do for the most part is show up and be present and ready to execute if and when the insights come. But how you feel about that work and how you feel about that pace is completely within your control. It's a matter of mindset and expectations. And you can frame your workflow to set yourself up for shame, or you can frame your workflow to set yourself up to shine. The decision is yours. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, the concept of productivity shame came to me after sifting through a ton of feedback from my new online course, Reset. And I'm pleased to say that one of the most exciting things about running this course so far is that it really does seem to be helping people let go of their productivity shame so that they can get back in touch with the natural rhythms of their energy, their attention, and their creative flow so that they can let go of unrealistic expectations and get back in touch with the joy of doing meaningful work and celebrating all the small little victories that happen along the way. If you're ready to let go of productivity shame and start taking a more heart-centered approach to productivity, you can register for Reset through this Friday, May 17th at reset-course.com. Once again, that's reset-course.com. Thanks to Matt Susich for producing the show and to Devin Craig Johnson for writing our soothing theme music. And thanks to you for tuning in. As you move through the coming week, remember to hurry slowly. Hurry slowly.